Well, good morning. I hope you've uh, just had an excellent weekend. Wanted to uh, highlight a couple announcements before that. Wanted to, uh, I don't know if you've heard the latest news about Spokane, but uh, throw that slide up. Best towns of 2013, Spokane, Washington. So for all you like haters that kind of are like, oh, Spokane, you know, come on. Listen, Outdoor Magazine, top 17 towns in the entire U.S. of A. Spokane. Yes. One more round of applause for Spokane. Uh, hopefully you, you had a, just a great weekend filled with lots of activities this weekend. I had a chance yesterday to do some painting. We have uh, some steps at our house and the just paint keeps chipping off. And so yesterday I went out and I started painting and put on this whole layer of primer and then the plan was to put on a layer of paint after that, and so about right when I'm done with the primer, I say to myself, I think the primer is just somebody's big scam. <laughs> like, the paint industry's going, man, how do we boost sales? Oh, I got an idea. Let's tell them that they're painting a layer all white, so that then they can paint a colored layer on top. And I was feeling that way, but then I'm like, no, I'm just denying it. And my little daughter, she's about four... She saw me painting the steps all white. She went and took a nap. She comes back out. She sees me painting them a color, and she goes, Doug, what are you painting those for? And I said, well, I'm, I'm repainting them. Well, they're white. Why do we need to paint them again? I said, well, the white is to make this paint stickier, I think. <laughs> like, make it stay longer or something. I'm trying to explain it, and then I realized, it is a scam. I, <laughs> I, I got hosed. So hopefully your weekend was a little better than mine, and um, you enjoyed the beautiful weather in one of the top 17 towns in the United States of America. That's right. I was thinking uh, just the other day about uh, the things we share in life. And have you ever been baffled by what we share, like what we communicate to people, the parts of our lives that we kind of like put out there for everyone to see? I don't know if it ever like amazes you, but it amazes me like the number of things that there's this like phenomenon that's going on where we put as much of our life online as possible in some ways, and yet like feel like we're least known by people that we've ever felt maybe. So you kind of feel like alone in the world, but there's more of you out there for people to know than ever before, and I feel like we share the most baffling things. Let me give you a couple examples. Here's a picture of, uh, I don't know if you can see that really well, that's just a bunch of like Starbucks drinks or Frappuccinos or, you know. And so people post these like Instagram pictures of their Starbucks drink. Just a little newsflash. 10,500,000 people in North America every day drink a Starbucks. This isn't new. This isn't revolutionary. This is not something that I think needs to be shared with everyone. No offense to any of you that do. It's just like, wow, we share weird stuff. We share pictures of food. Like, this is what I'm about to eat or almost ate. In fact, we share pictures of us taking pictures of food. It's weird. And then, not to mention, like, 
how we feel on a given day, or maybe something we just got, or I mean, the list, the list goes on and on, and it's not just Instagram or Facebook, it's Twitter too. I just quickly, last night, searched, like, what are some common things that people have said lately, over this last year? Uh, I didn't pick the dumbest ones, but here's one. Ooh, it's not Milk Day? I misread that. What's MLK? Yeah. Like, don't share that. <laughs> Here's another one. Oh my, OMG, I seriously think I have 80 HD. I can't focus on my homework. 80 the number, HD. Yeah, not 80. And then uh, last but not least, recent uh, George Zimmerman trial, who's charged with second degree murder, who he killed the first time was the question. Yeah, yeah. So we share weird things. We share some of the craziest things. I mean, obviously the list could go on and on about the number of things we tweet about or share, but it's almost as if there is within us this desire to share. Have you ever thought in some ways that we've been created with an overwhelming need to be heard? We've been created with this desire that when something wells up within us, we want to extend that out to other people. That maybe in some ways that's the very way we were created. I mean, have there, has there ever been a time in your life where there was news that you got, information that you had, maybe it was like insider information, maybe it was like this special event or thing that was coming up, and you just had to get it out. I mean, you had to tell someone it was like eating you up inside. You, it felt like you couldn't hold it. You, you just wanted so bad that the first person you saw, you wanted to be able to tell them. Maybe you've all had an experience like that. I was uh, at this conference in Pennsylvania just a couple weeks ago, and um, one of the people who was a uh, counselor for the week, he had been working in Indiana with uh, Caleb and Jenna, some of our missionaries, in Indiana, and he was working with them um, all summer long, and he was back at this conference, and he, was, he brought a bunch of youth with him, and he was like staying in the, in, uh, the dorms with uh, these teenagers. And uh, his girlfriend was actually one of the counselors at the camp. And so on his birthday, which was like the middle of the week, she had gone to the director of the conference and asked if she could like, do a couple, like, birthday pranks. And so, like, all day long she was excited. You could, like, see this energy that she had. And so, like, one thing she did was she bought, uh, there was, like, over 400 youth and then 100 or so adult and college-age students. And so they, she bought 500, like, party hats. And every one of the kids, when they were going into lunch, got a party hat. And they, like, kept him away and then... He came in to get lunch late, and everyone just erupted when he came in. And so, like, there, she just was planning all these things throughout the day, but little did she know that her uh, boyfriend was actually planning to reverse the whole thing and that night get engaged to her in front of everyone. And so it was this thing where she felt like she had the upper hand on him the entire day. And he's, like, totally going to reverse this thing at night. And it was so funny because we're backstage 
we're like preparing for the talk that night, and um, we're spending some time praying, and he came back, <laughs> because he's like, he's got, make sure he has everything, and he's just like, bouncing, and he had all this energy, he's like, he just couldn't wait to get it out, he had to share it, he like, and so then eventually he comes out on stage, and it was another prank that she had planned, where uh, everyone was going to sing happy birthday to him again, and then so they brought him up on stage, but then they totally reversed it, and it was this really cool moment, and um, I mean, it was awesome, and people then, that 500 people, started tweeting about it and sending pictures, right? I mean, like, we have within us this desire to share, to get information out. So I want you to hold on to that thought for a moment, that we have within us this desire to share, this desire to take what we've seen, what we've heard, and then cast that out to other people. Hold on to that thought and turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 1. We're going to start there for a moment before we get to our passage for today. In Acts chapter 1... And you can kind of just follow along on the screen. It'll be there. But in the very beginning of Acts, we have this point where uh, we said several weeks ago, this ascension, everybody's looking up into the sky like what happened. And at that moment, right before Jesus leaves, kind of His final utterance to all of the disciples, chance to kind of leave a, a parting thought, lasting impression. He says this, But when you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So like right from the very beginning in the book of Acts, what we get is this idea that, um, this theme really, a sense of Acts being about the commissioning of people to go into the world. That we are a missional people. That we are a people who have been sent. That we've been tasked with this idea of being witnesses to the nations. And sometimes words that you hear often become just words that kind of mean everything, and then they suddenly mean nothing. And so sometimes when you hear the word missional, there's people that I say that, you know, we're a part of the missional church, or we want to be about, uh, be a people that are on mission, and they're like, oh, so like you do like a lot of service projects. No, no, that's not what we're talking about. We want to be on mission. Oh, you mean like you go on mission trips. No, that's not what we're talking about either. What we're talking about is that God is this missionary God, this pursuing lover of people where He relentlessly chases after them. So much so that He sent Jesus, that He sent the Spirit, and then He sent us. And that He's called us to be people who take up this ministry of reconciliation, that we go to the world and we declare the truth of Acts chapter 1, that He sent us. And that we are declaring the gospel. The heart of Christianity really is the good news. The gospel. News that must be proclaimed. News that must be told. Shared. Described. And so you have this idea right from the very beginning of Acts that the church, the early church, was a vibrant missionary church. A community that was all about sharing the gospel. Which brings us to our passage for this morning, Acts chapter 4. If you turn there, just a couple pages over, it was read a little bit earlier. Acts chapter 4, verses 13 to 22 is what we're going to spend the rest of our time looking at. And what I want us to do just for a moment is to, to rethink those words. And I want to 
just share three simple thoughts from this text that I think speak to this idea of us being a missionary people. Three simple ideas, three kind of concepts that stick out. And the first is, what are we called to share? If we're on mission, if we are to be this kind of people, what are we called to share? And very simply, in this text, it says that they are called to share what has been seen and heard. What has been seen and heard. In verse um, uh, 20, uh, 19, but Peter and John answered them, whatever is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, we, you must judge, for we cannot help but speak of what we have seen and heard. It's interesting to me that when they, they're speaking in front of this group of people, they don't start with, hey, you know, we can't help but speak of the principles of Christianity. We can't help but share of the doctrine of our faith. We can't help but talk to you about the philosophy of Christianity. They, they didn't start with any of that. They just said very simply, we cannot help but speak of what we have seen and heard. And I think that's significant for two primary reasons. The first reason is this, that Christianity is unique among all faith or all religion because it is about the events. It's about the events. See, most religion is about philosophy or teaching. It's all about a particular prophet or a particular person that has this teaching or philosophy that needs to be sent around the world, needs to be communicated to people, and all of the events that take place speak to the teaching. They give validation to the teaching. But see, Christianity is completely opposite. Christianity is really all about the events, and then all of the teaching it's to point back to the event. It's to give clarity to the event. It's to help us to understand with more significance what is the events that actually took place that are the center of our faith. And so that's why you see Peter in this particular passage in the chapter before walking through a few things. He walks through the incarnation. He basically says, hey, there was this event that took place when God came as a man, was among us, lived a perfect life, became Emmanuel, God with us, that event happened and it was amazing. Then he explains further that there was a crucifixion. That there was this time in which this perfect, sinless God-man gave His very life, laid it down for us. He could have chosen not to, but He did. And so He walks through the event of the crucifixion and gets to this next crucial event where he mentions the resurrection and says that this same God that lived the perfect life, this same God that died for us is the same God that defeated sin and death and rose from the grave and rules over all. See, it's the events that save us. It's not the teaching. The teaching points us to the event. And so Christianity is unique because it's about what we've seen and heard. It's about what we know that happened. I think it's also interesting or significant, a second reason why it is, is because it makes us witnesses. Acts 1.8 tells us you're simply witnesses of this thing that you've seen and heard. And the beautiful thing about witnesses is it's not, not something that we need to debate. It's not some... Uh, argument or apologetic that we need to offer. It's simply us sharing 
what we have seen, what we've experienced. John puts it this way. It says in 1 John, that which we, well, that's which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father, and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Simply, we are called to be people who share what we have seen and what we've heard. Not just past events, but present things that He continues to do, and the ways He continues to move among us. I think that's the first thing we as missional people are called to be about sharing. The second simple idea in this text is this, why we share. Why we share. In, uh, again, in Acts 4.20 it says, For we cannot help but speak of what we have seen and heard. Now the original language, that phrase, carries the idea that we're not powerful enough to keep from speaking. We're not powerful enough to keep from speaking. That if we tried to hold back this particular message that we don't have within us the strength or the wherewithal in which to hold back what we have to share. In fact, the one term in there really kind of signifies the idea of it being like dynamite. This power that this power is so strong, it's this dynamite within us that just kind of compels us to speak. I mean, does that describe me? Does that describe you, where you're so compelled to speak of what you've seen and heard? I think the thing that compels us is love. Is the love of God. In fact, it says... For the love of Christ controls or compels us. We have concluded that one has died for all, and therefore all have died. The point that Paul is making is, listen, we are compelled by the love of God for us to be able to begin to communicate. That there's this force within us that just that has to come out. That we have to communicate this message to people. But I wonder sometimes, if that truly describes us as a people. If we were to look at our small group, would we be able to define our small group as a community of missionaries that actually is compelled, motivated, constantly to declare the good news, the Gospel of Jesus? If I was to ask, I won't, but if I was to ask you to raise your hand, and I was just to simply say, hey, who are three people right now that you are praying for on a regular basis, hoping that they might come to know Jesus? If I was to ask you to raise your hand if you've got three people right now that you're praying for on a regular basis, how many people would raise their hand? If we said just one person that we're praying for on a regular basis, I mean, who, who are you trying to get to know in a more substantial way so that you might just invite them to be a part of what God has you a part of? You might invite them, as John says, into this fellowship 
into this kingdom, that we are a part of something that is so beyond ourselves, that we are so compelled from within that we have to share. A friend of mine was telling me when I was at this conference, he um, just graduated from college and had a chance to go to a Christian school about, it's about 100 miles away. Uh, he drove and uh, gets to this Christian school, and they had scheduled him to be the, the speaker. And so there's probably like 100 kids in, uh, in the group, and uh, he gets up to speak, and he has not really spoken very often at all. So he's got his notes, he's nervous, he's prepared, and what he wants to talk about is sharing faith. How do you share your faith with someone? How do you communicate the important message that we have to communicate? And so he, he, gets, he gets there and he starts off and he says a few things and he goes, well, right from the beginning, I just need to ask you a question. Like, how many of you have, have been able to share your faith with someone in the last year? And nobody raised their hand. It's like, oh, looks at his notes. Okay, how many of you have been able, you know, to just to, to get to know someone who didn't know Jesus and to, to just love them the way that God wants us to love people, irregardless of whether they ever make a decision for Jesus, that, they would just, that you would just love them and demonstrate love. How many of you have done that over the last year and nobody raised their hand? So he's starting to sweat a little bit. So then he goes, okay, how many of you know someone are friends with someone that doesn't know Jesus. And no one raised their hand. And then he's like, oh, crap. Like, my entire message is done. <laughs> like, so he started trying to think, like, what, what do I talk about? What do I share about? And I know that us as a community, that we are engaged in our city. That we're rubbing shoulders on a regular basis with people. But the question is, are we actually compelled do we love them enough that we share with them this thing that we cannot contain? I think sometimes that the natural reaction to that kind of question is, Russ, like, hey, that's, that's awesome, that's all well and good, but like, that's, there's other parts of my faith that I kind of like to focus on more. You know, like, I'm really into this grace thing, I love that. I'm, I'm really into loving others. I just want to demonstrate that to everyone I can. I'm really into serving the poor. I think that's really important. But, you know, telling other people about Jesus and that He is the way to a restored relationship with God, you know, that, that like if I could actually give up any part of my faith, that would be the part that I'd be willing to give up. You know, just set that kind of aside for a little bit and focus on these other things, you know? Focus on the essentials. I think we fail to recognize that the actual central nervous system to of our entire faith is good news. News that's to be proclaimed. News that is to come to people who are lost. To people who are in need. People who want love. People who want to understand what it means to be loved by this pursuing God. That, that, is, that is the heart of our faith. You can't, like, set that aside and just say, hey, I'm going to be about this other stuff. That's what we're called to. It's a part of our very DNA. But then there comes the, well, what if I'm just not good at it? 
Russ, what if I'm not really good at sharing my faith? Well, let's look back at the text. How do we share? Or what is required of us? It says this in Acts 4.13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Here's the thing. These very smart, intelligent, religious folk pull aside these two guys that just performed an amazing miracle, then just declared the events of the Gospel. And then they say, hey, these two guys are unschooled. The literal term means unlettered. Unlettered, and that means like you're not trained. You've gone to no rabbinical school. You have no, no formal education. You have no skills and abilities whatsoever in this stuff that you're engaged in. And they also called them common men, or technically the, in the original, those who live in private. And the idea behind that is you're not engaged in the public life. You're so rude and illiterate that you're not worthy of a public office. You're just the common folk. So we perceive, we have a great understanding that you aren't very educated, you're pretty common, pretty ordinary, don't have a lot to offer. And when I hear that, I go, I'm qualified. That I actually can do this. If these guys can do it, then I can do it. I mean, the bar isn't very high there, right? There's no necessarily status of approval, but there is this one key phrase that I think is so important in there, and it says this, they recognized that they had been with Jesus. So, really, the bar for us is be with Jesus. So the question we have to ask really is, would, would people be able to notice that Jesus is rubbed off on us? The way we conduct ourselves in the world, the way we live and move and have our being, as it says in Acts a little bit later on, is the way that we walk and talk, is it pretty obvious that we've spent a lot of time with Jesus? that we spend time talking, that we have this relationship, that we interact in a way that people just go, man, they're kind of unschooled. But there's something different. There's something unique. There's something about them. Because they've been with Jesus. And that's the question. Is really, what are we supposed to share? It's what we've seen and heard. The amazing things that God continues to do in us. We are compelled to share it. We're motivated by His love to communicate it. The Really, the simple requirement is that we've been with Jesus. And if you're around Him enough, He rubs off on you enough, you're a part of that enough, you just can't help but say it. And I think that's what it looks like to be the kind of people that the disciples were modeling here in Acts 4. Let's pray.